In this Yamlash podcast episode, Elaine Wiley dives into how to combat childhood obesity through daily exercise. She talks about how exercise contributes to children's brain development, why it's so important for children to establish sustainable wellness habits from an early age, and how institutions can overcome social inequalities to make exercise accessible for all children. Tune in to find out why we should encourage childhood wellness. Podcasting from Dallas, Texas, I am Shireen, and this is the Yemlish Podcast. Yemlish is working to empower you to take charge of your health through diet and exercise and reduce the risk of chronic conditions like type 2 diabetes and heart disease. We hope to share a unique perspective and a culturally relevant approach to managing these chronic conditions with you each week. Elaine Wiley was principal of St. Ninian's Primary School in Sterling in 2012 when she was told by a volunteer in the school that the children were not fit. She created what is called the Daily Mile which is now improving the health of over 3 million children in schools across the world. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Pleasure having you on. Elaine, so so tell us a little bit more about what got you interested in advocacy, um, and then actually tell us a little bit more about what the Daily Mile is. So I got interested because the volunteers in the school said the children weren't fit, And I checked with the PE teacher and she confirmed that most of them were exhausted by the warm-up in PE. And so I asked a class of children to run around the field um, as part of their warm-up in PE and they couldn't do it. Only a handful were able to do it without stopping and they were exhausted. And so I asked them and their teacher, how did they fancy going out for 15 minutes each day and building up their fitness by trying to run around the field. And they took ownership of the problem. They knew they hadn't done well. They wanted to do well. They wanted to be able to run. And they agreed. And I expected very little from it, but the transformational health in the children was amazing. In the first few days, the mental health, and very quickly, they became fit enough in less than four weeks to run around the field. And In those 15 minutes, it turned out that they were averaging a mile a day. And so the Daily Mile was born. I love that. How do people currently think about exercise for school-aged children and what barriers really exist uh, and what areas need to be improved there? Most people think of sport and PE when they think of exercise for school-aged children. But within these, there are many barriers. People tend to think of provision tuition being provided for children but actually what the daily mile does is it flips that and it becomes children being empowered to look after their own health self-care so the barriers currently are resources kit equipment failure lack of time competition for children who can't compete or don't want to compete lack of engagement and emphasis in skills which most children will never use or need And so what we need is an emphasis on meeting the needs of childhood, what children want to do. So they want fun. They like to be outside in the fresh air, a sense of freedom. And they need ownership 
And it needs to be them all, every single one. So whatever their age, ability or circumstances, every child, every day, the Daily Mile is simple, it's available for them all, and there's no kit, equipment or money involved. And I love that. And, and, and I, I think the biggest thing that I'm taking away here is that it is incredibly simple. So this is not an app on your phone or some technological advancement or anything like that. It is as simple as getting them out, getting them to, you know, run in this case and, 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 and you know, create this thing that's called the Daily Mile. But it is super simple and it doesn't take much in terms of, you know, we need this, that or the other. You really need a, a ground where they're able to do that. Um, so I, I like how incredibly easy it is. How can schools and educators really motivate children to establish healthy relationships, not only in exercise, but also with food? I mean, it, it, it has to come from the children. They have to want it and they have to be able to see the benefits for themselves and feel the benefits. And that was the funny thing is, I think it's fair enough for a teacher to ask their children to run around the field and see if they can do it, because that was the moment when they took ownership and knew they couldn't and wanted to sort it. So children have to own the problem. It has to be theirs. And then they have to be able to do something about it. You have to empower them. So you have to abolish hopelessness and give them a fighting chance. And many children feel they've no chance. So once they've done the Daily Mile, and they discover their inner fit self, they start to think, you know, I, I can access things, you know, I can, I'm better at sport, I'm better at PE, I feel better, I'm better at PE. And they begin to see the point of looking after their health. And I know that because we had 420 children in the school, and that's what's happened to them. And the, if, if they think they've got a chance of achieving something, then it, it really means a lot to them. And I think the Daily Mile helps them with that. And success breeds success. And they, they then have a look at having a healthy diet. And I think, you know, wanting to make it happen is really important for them. Why is it so important to establish healthy wellness patterns at a young age? And just so we understand, what, what age group were you working with? So we started with primary school children, elementary school children, age of four upwards. But our nursery kindergarten joined in. So these were children from the age of two, and they can run. And our three-year-olds could easily do a mile in the 15 minutes, very easily. They loved it. So it's absolutely vital to normalise and establish healthy wellness patterns at school, especially if children, if parents haven't got the, the ability to provide that for their children at home. They, if they can't be the sort of role model that we would like, and this is not a blame game. So many parents just can't and want to, but can't. So we need to normalise healthy habits. And where are our children every day? They're in their kindergartens and they're in their elementary schools. So we need to make it happen there. And I remember a visitor from Education Scotland, from PE, came to the school and looked on in amazement as we had 11-year-old girls running around the field. They don't all run, they run at their own pace, so they do a bit of walking and they can be in a wheelchair, that's cool. But this observer said, these children think it's normal to run, and we know that it's not. You never see 11-year-old girls running. And so this gives them the chance, this gives children the opportunity to think that and believe that it's normal to run. 
And if you think that children who do the Daily Mail start at the age of two or three, ideally that's when you get them, and they do it all the way through elementary school, that changes their body composition, not just now, but forever. So, and the way they feel about it, the need to run, they, they pester their teacher to say, can I? Can we do our daily mile? To, you know, and so it has to come from within. It can't be imposed. They need to want it. Therefore, it needs to be fun. So that's really important. Children, I don't know if we've noticed, but children won't do what they don't want to do. But they will do something that they enjoy. And this was invented by, essentially invented by children in that first month. They made it into the Daily Mile. And so they want to do it. And that's absolutely critical. I love that. Yeah. So, so let's tie this into childhood obesity for a quick second. How can daily physical activity really help combat childhood obesity? That's a really good question because a lot of people will say it can't. However, the universities of Stirling and Edinburgh combined to study and do the first major study of the Daily Mile. And it was a randomised control trial. They measured the fat in the children's skin folds. So it wasn't BMI, which is not a good measure for growing children. And what they found was that children who do the Daily Mile lose 4% of the fat in their skin folds after seven months. Now, at population level, level, that's huge. What we don't know is, when did they lose that? Did they lose it in the first couple of months? Did it take seven months? We don't know. And what would happen if it was seven years, not seven months? Now, we only have an inkling of that because the universities of Stirling and Edinburgh also looked at our stats for obesity and overweight children. And on every single measure, they were below and in many cases significantly below the Scottish average. But our children have been doing the Daily Mile for three years when these measures were taken. So that means that we can't put our hand on our heart and say the Daily Mile caused this. We kind of know it did, actually. but. We had no baseline measure. So obviously diet is, is absolutely crucial. But nevertheless, these children lost 4% of the excess fat in their skin folds. Therefore, and the only other evidence I've got for it is that Scotland's chief medical officer came to the school and then came back because she liked it so much. And she said our children looked lean and healthy and resilient. And I think it does. I think it will. And I think if children had the chance to do the Daily Mile at their own pace every day, they would become a healthier weight. So then, Elaine, tell us a little bit more about what is really sustainable and accessible wellness, and then why is it so important? Sustainable and accessible are two really important words. What's the point if it's not sustainable? If it's if it's a gimmick, if it lasts for a few months, that's no good. It has to be for life. So I think that something which happens where our children are every day in their kindergartens and in their elementary schools is really important. It really needs to be for everybody. No child left behind. So for whatever their age, ability or circumstances, they all must do it. I think that you picked up earlier on the simplicity. The simplicity is really vital. Opening the door and taking the children out into almost all weathers with no equipment, no kit, just themselves, the outdoors, the teacher, the community of the children. 
that is so important and it makes it sustainable. There's no skills involved in the, for the teacher apart from connecting with the children and caring from, for them. So there's no, you can't have training which disappears when a member of staff leaves because there is no training. Everybody can take the children out. It needs to work, I think, for schools and nurseries. And the Daily Mile takes only 15 minutes a day and it fits right in. You don't even really need to timetable it. It usually falls into place. I think that it's something also which, in a sense, although I facilitated it, was invented by the children. And they made it happen and it, it worked. Because it was invented on the school field, it worked in a large and complex elementary school. It wasn't invented by a committee. So, But if I was asked to choose one thing that makes it sustainable, they must enjoy it. So simple and fun. Love that. Um, and then how, let's talk a little bit about socioeconomic status. Now, um, I understand things are different in Scotland versus here in the United States, but how do socioeconomic status, race, ethnicity really impact a child's access to exercise and health education? In actual fact, they determine their access. These things are what matters when it comes to access. Um, I know that you have poverty in the United States, so do we in Scotland. So um, nearly 30% of our children live in poverty. And it's simple. It's simple. If you're poor, then you have much less access. That, that's generalizing, but it's essentially true. And I suppose it can be rolled up into the word poverty. So if you've no transport, you can't go to the, the sports club, you can't go to the football game. No money, no kit, no equipment, no no space at home. Lack of home support, not because the family don't want to support you, but because they can't, because of, of the resources. If there's no facilities in your community, um, if you yourself as a child have caring responsibilities or there are drugs in your family or crime or whatever, these things all act against you. And so... The idea that sports clubs um, that are paid for and the children have to get to can be the answer is just not the case. The Daily Mile is, um, the, the uptake rate of the Daily Mile in schools in England is ha as high or higher in areas of deprivation than it is in areas where, where they're less deprived. And that's so significant, absolutely so significant. We have to overcome that. We cannot possibly overcome the, the, the difficulties these children have if they, they don't have something which schools can do, which is simple and free. And why do you think that is? So that I find that to be so interesting that there's an uptick in more of the lower socioeconomic. Why do you think that is the case? I think that um, all children benefit and the, the, the more affluent areas do take it up and at the same level. The surprise is that most interventions do not reach the, the poorest children, and this does. I think that you don't need huge facilities. You don't need great big playing fields. You just need a bit of space. Um, you don't need anything fancy. It, I think it's the simplicity, and I think the children like it, and they will do it. I, I, and schools know what works for their children. So they see another thing is that um, you know people, the, people come at schools all the time with gimmicks, or with things they want the schools to do always. So the school has to be a kind of nuclear bunker with a, a, a cover on it to stop stuff coming at them all the time wanting money. You know, if you give us this money, we'll do that for you. We'll, you know, this is 
there's no money involved and that must that must make a big difference to areas of deprivation they can spend their money on other things so quite often so we work a lot in England and there's something called the pupil premium for sport and schools get I think it's about £18,000 to spend on sport so they get all sorts of inquiries from people wanting some of those pounds but we say we're not interested we just want to help the children and we're in that very fortunate position so I think the fact that it's free, the fact that it's simple, the fact that children enjoy it, all these things combine. And everybody can do it. And I, and I loved in, in your own background, Elaine, you were the principal at the school, um, a volunteer comes and tells you that, hey, there's a problem here. Um, one, you're listening to a volunteer, which is amazing, right? So it's not, it, so it shows me that you're not sort of distancing yourself from your staff. You're very, very plugged in, right, as a principal. And then you sort of took it on yourself to say, huh, let's investigate this. And you go off then you're looking and you're saying, all right, well, there, this is not good. <laughs> Something needs to be done here. And instead of, and, and, and like very many principals fighting for resources, we need this or we need that equipment. You're like, how can I do this? And I'm, of course, speaking for you, but how can I really do this in a low cost way that is quick, simple, easy and um, and that I have buy in from the kids. Right. So. I love how simple you made it and how fun you made it still to what you just said. To that end, do you have any recommendations for how institutions, communities, other principals out there who are listening to this podcast can more effectively implement public health interventions? I think that they, they need to believe that they have a responsibility for the solution. And at first, I'm looking back, this is a long time ago, nearly 10 years ago, and I'm thinking, did I really think, I, you know, I was intrigued. We were also, we were a sporty school, we were successful at sport and competition and so on. So I kind of thought, can this man be right? So I was intrigued, but I was really bothered when I saw the children, in, you know, so unfit. So I think you st that starting point is... Um, recognizing that, that there is a problem and that you can do something about it and that's really important so raising the profile of health and well-being after all if children aren't healthy and well and happy and settled they, they don't learn so it's in the interest of principals to improve the health and well-being of the children because it will improve attainment it will, we have loads of evidence i haven't even gone to the evidence of how the daily mile improves focus and concentration in class that's a huge deal so if you can't sell it to a principal um, on the idea that the children are happier and healthier and fitter, they will like the idea that attainment and results improve because the children are more focused. And in a sense, you're meeting the, meeting the children's needs. Children need to run around. They need to have some fresh air. They need to be outside sometimes. They can't concentrate for long blocks at a time. So I would say that um, to principals, Give it a go, you know. Give the Daily Mile a go because, and, and it's and it's proper form. Look at our website. Look at the core principles. Don't try and adapt it. Just you know, do it the same way we did it. After all, it hasn't changed in nearly ten years, so it must be working. And um, I would say again, keep it simple. And I would say that I don't know if you have a saying in the states, "Nothing about us without us." Do you have mm. that saying? No. You know, it's a, it's a good one. Really. I didn't. I didn't invent it. But, you know, instead of imposing a solution and looking back, 
you know, I didn't mean all this to happen. This all happened by chance. You know, the, the, the volunteer, the fact that I took the children out, that I had the time to sort it, that I had the power to try and sort it. I would say nothing about us without us. In other words, total involvement of the children and indeed their families or whatever, the, the staff and so on, in the way forward is really important. I love that. I absolutely love it. Um, with that, Elaine, you know, you, you mentioned something in passing. I do want to, I do want to touch on it just really, really quickly. Um, you mentioned the physical outcome. So you talked about the the fat and the skin folds as a physical, and you quickly touched on concentration and focus. If do you have anything to share around that uh, with us? So, Any measures around that? Yeah. Um, again, University of Stirling in Edinburgh and other universities have looked at cognition, at short-term memory recall, um, at various, and I'm, I'm just trying to remember because I don't have it in front of me, the research, but it's all pointing in the one direction. Um, well, there was a nice piece of research um, from Stirling in Edinburgh which looked at three groups of children and it was citizen science, and it was, um, I think it was 9,000 children divided into three groups across the country. Um, a third of them went out and did nothing at playtime, just sat around. A third of them went out and did a bleep test to exhaustion, you know, where they just run to exhaustion. And a third of them did the Daily Mile. And then they came in and they tested themselves on various um, memory and cognition tests. And on every test, the Daily Mile came out on top. So it beat the running to exhaustion. And I couldn't have predicted that. And I certainly didn't know that when we invented it. But there you go. So, but there's other, there are other pieces of research on how it improves. And, and loads and loads of anecdotal research from teachers and children who say, I needed to get out and run around. The class were losing focus. They needed, they were wriggling, they were fidgeting. They needed to be out and get some fresh air as well. So, yeah, there's quite a lot of research on our website. Love that. And so with that, how can our listeners connect with you and learn more about your work? So on our website, which is www.thedailymile.co.uk, but it's going global. Um, so we're going to get one that fits all countries soon. We have Facebook, we have Twitter and Instagram accounts that they can follow us on. Love it. With that, I mean, it's such a pleasure having you on. I, I love the simplicity of what you're doing. The entire month of September for us is Childhood Obesity Awareness. And I feel this lines up so perfectly to, to bring attention to something, again, that is incredibly simple, easy to adapt, nothing needed from a budgetary standpoint or, um, you know, monetary wise, but it's incredibly easy and it only takes about 15 minutes. So it's mm -hmm. not pulling away from, from anything else. Um, and it has a huge impact in that sustainable way. So I, I am certainly sold. I wish there were things like that when I was in school, but me um, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Elaine. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Lovely. To our listeners out there, head over to our social media at Yumlish and tell us what is your favorite way to move your body. We will see you there after this episode. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you so much. We have an exciting announcement. Starting next week, we will be dedicating our episodes to National Childhood Obesity Month for the entire month of September.
We hope to increase awareness around childhood obesity and connect you with experts to help you better prevent childhood obesity and support related initiatives.